Hey guys, this is Mark Gandy with CFO Bookshelf. I've never been an online gamer. Maybe you are. I've heard of titles like Crossfire. There's Pac-Man Doodle comes to mind, Tetris. I've even read a couple of articles about Fortnite in the Wall Street Journal. But did you know there are some educational games and simulations for business and it's under the Go Venture suite of products. Over 1 million, over 1 million have played these games through 1,000 plus different organizations, which includes schools and universities. And that is our topic on this episode of CFO Bookshelf. Bruce Reed, the CFO for Practice Link. Notice I did not say practicelink.com. You should no, you thank did not. me. Yeah, I did not. Thank you. Have you played, let's start out with this. Did you play the game Monopoly as a kid yeah, or as an adult? Bet. Are you good at it? Uh, yeah, yeah, there was, there was definitely, uh, um, had some, had some success, had some success, had some failure. You know, it's, uh, just like everything you take the ups with the downs. Now, is that a good game? to learn entrepreneurship. I think Monopoly is a little more big business, a little more big business. So, you know, I would say it is, it does not represent, it does not represent the typical entrepreneur's journey. Okay. You walked into the answer I was seeking. Thank you. Nice. And and, and of course for, for everyone of you that's listening intently, I do not, in fact, you did not even know what I was going to talk about. Uh, no. So this is, we went into this uh, stone cold. Nope, that's the fun. And our guest today is Matthew Giorgio. And boy, I hope I said that correctly. We even talked about it in the interview. Matthew is the founder of of the of the the company that has the Go Venture suite of products. And I need to say it, I hope I said that correctly because if you go to goventure.net goventure.net. There are a slew of products. And in short, the short answer is these are online simulations. These are online simulations. You've had millions of users play these games around the world through a thousand different organizations. You have a lot of universities, schools using this game to teach entrepreneurship, teach business concepts, You've got games that will last anywhere from a day to a week to it can go into to years, but it's it's online simulations of of business entrepreneurship. And does that does that intrigue you? Oh yeah, I mean this is that has that Sim City sort of feel to exactly. it exactly uh, there, and and I. Um, it, that's one more of those things, kind of like uh, fantasy football, that I know with my personality that I would, I would get so addicted to that I've, I would, you know, shortchange other parts of my life. So I've, I've not, I've not been a, a big SimSafe aficionado, but I've known some people who that was a large uh, focus of of every day was their SimCity plane. And for those who love the game of baseball, don't get me started on Stratomatic <laughs> baseball. I did that as a kid. Um, one nice thing about, and you talked about the addictive aspect, <laughs> even on the website, they even use the word addictive uh, for these games. But if you want to just get started, they have, and, and so in the Go Venture suite of products, if you want to get started, they have what's called Entrepreneur 
And that game, you start out, and I may be stealing some of Matthew's thunder here, but you start out with a lemonade stand, and there's no competition. So you are learning business from the perspective of a, a lemonade stand operator. You eventually go to two stands, a third stand, then a kiosk, and and so on. And then once you once you get through that game, and I'm not for sure what the end point is, then you can step into what's called CEO. Now you do have competition. And then if you, as you play that game, it can lead to the game called World, where that kind of spells it out. It's a global game. So you've got games that can actually go into a couple of years. But the first one, Bruce, uh, I don't think you need to worry about the addiction. And I do want to, when, when I got a little bit of downtime over the holidays that are coming up, I'm I'm going to jump into entrepreneur. There's also a couple of board games I'm going to go ahead and order. I, Matthew doesn't know that, so hopefully that will be a surprise to him and maybe even gift some of these. But I'm at the point where I can say I endorse, I endorse these games. I think he is nailing it. But the website is called GoVenture.net. Yeah, I'm, lo- I'm looking at it right now. It's uh, this looks like something that. This looks like something that would be pretty fun to to, to get involved in. Um, also, looks like several different pricing levels based on um, kind of who you are and, and different entities and things along those lines. And the pricing is friendly. In fact, I almost thinking is the pricing too low, but I, I know he's got this figured out. Again, these there are people all over the world playing this game, so I, I'm impressed. I'm also a little bit embarrassed. I'd never heard of this. And so we talk about in the interview how we came to know one another and how we got this interview set up. So uh, well, you'll find out uh, during our conversation. Okay. Well, that's uh, that sounds like a nice setup. So uh, with that, why don't you uh, why don't you hit the button on the interview with Matthew Giorgio? Thank you very much, Bruce. And the very first question I did ask him is, "What in the world is Go Venture?" So, Mark, Go Venture is a product line. It's a series of educational games and simulations to teach people about business and marketing and entrepreneurship, accounting. Uh, we have some uh, employment skills uh, simulations, health products, and uh, they're used in a lot of uh, schools around the world. Some businesses, various other organizations, but it's a it's a product line uh, made by my company, MediaSpark. And we're not talking thousands of users were in the millions, right, that have played this game? That's right. So uh, thousands of organizations that have adopted our products over the years, and we've been around for quite some time. So thousands of organizations and each of those organizations might reach, you know, dozens, hundreds of people, sometimes thousands of people. So over the years, we estimate we're in the uh, in the several millions of users uh, over that time. And don't worry, we're going to get into the heart of the game. But I want to back up just a little bit how in the world did you even stumble into this? I mean, was it by accident? Do you do you love business? You love education? Those two came together. What what's the story behind Go Venture? Well, I don't I don't I'm not sure it's a straight path. It's kind of an unusual path. And I often tell people that, you know, entrepreneurs are made through their experiences in their lives. And um, so when I was growing up, I was one of the first kids. I'm, I'm early 50s now. I was, I was a young, young yep. when I first started at 26. By the, by the way, 50 is a new 20. Just, just I, hope, I hope so. I agree with you now. I'm not sure I would have a few years ago, but I do now. <laughs> 
So I was one of those first kids to have, you know, the Atari video game systems, the VIC-20, the Commodore 64, ColecoVision. You had a Commodore so, 64, so did I. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I programmed my first game with a VIC-20, which was a little uh, space sailing game. Uh, you know, you had to type in all the, all the all the basic code. And that was back in the days, you know, where you had to read everything out of books, right? There was no internet or anything to learn. So it wasn't necessarily that easy. So I kind of grew up playing games. Um, and uh, ended up uh, studying engineering in college, worked with IBM while I was in school, and then after I finished uh, school as an engineer, programmer uh, kind of job. And then I decided to uh, start a, uh, a multimedia company. This was back in 1994, which was MediaSpark. And, you know, I wasn't really clear. I didn't really have a specific vision other than I wanted to do some custom programming and services for others. And Eventually, you know, hired a few employees, and one of our employees um, was our business development uh, guy at the time. He came and had this um, this DOS game. It was a hot dog stand in DOS. And back in the early '90s, in our region of the world here in Eastern Canada, entrepreneurship was kind of a topic that started to bubble um, for economic development purposes. And he said, "You know, maybe we should do a more modern version of this DOS-based hot dog stand." And I said, "Yeah, sure, let's try it." And I kind of ran with it much bigger than we ever expected and created this very comprehensive entrepreneurship simulation and and uh, got uh, really great feedback from a lot of schools who started adopting it. We had a major publisher who bundled it with their university textbook and that kind of started us on the path of business simulation. About when was that? When, when, did, when were you at a point to where you could say, here is a, you said you started in 1994, 96, yeah. 97, 98? Yeah, late 90s, we started the R&D on the product. So in the first few years, it was mainly myself doing service work and custom programming for others. And then uh, eventually started doing our, o- our own R&D in the late 90s and launched that, that product in 2000. Now, I apologize, Matthew. And by the way, Matthew Giorgio, Bruce and I use the American version. So I hope it's okay. We're using the American version of your last name. Uh, Cool name, by the way. So when I looked at your website, the reason it took me a while to get back with you on some questions we wanted to bring up, I thought I need to be a user. I need to play the game, but I haven't done that yet. So Not only is this a game it looks like for kids at the uh, pre-high school, high school, college, I mean, there are adults playing this game. Is that right, Matthew? That's right. In fact, um, because we have a a series of products, we we actually have multiple, uh, if we're just talking business simulation right now, we have multiple business simulations depending on the type of experience that a learner wants to uh, have. And so we have products that will take someone at the, you know, middle school, maybe even younger age and takes them through, through the process of starting and running a business. And then we have experiences that are used uh, by adults, um, including in Fortune 500 companies for management training. Uh, I want to put a thumbtack on that. We'll come back to that in just a minute. Because on your product page, you've got entrepreneur, you've got life and money. Now I'm skipping around. You've got health ebook. Uh, you've got personal financial literacy bundle, health printed book, I see CEO, you got world, you've got leader, which looks very intriguing. And then you've also got the entrepreneur board game. So you've got a whole gamut of, of, uh, simulation, uh, well, entrepreneurial related products, just very impressive. Is, is one selling more, uh, better than the other or, or do they all complement one another? 
It's uh, they, they all complement one another in one way or another. It depends on the subject area that somebody's interested in, because most of our customers tend to be uh, teachers, instructors, university professors, trainers. They all have their own specific needs, and different products meet those needs in a different way. For example. If you have a lot of curriculum time, uh, many hours where you want your students or learners to uh, participate in a simulation, we've got some deep, complex products that you can use. But if you only have a couple of hours, um, you know, you can't get into that, the deeper, complex products. So we have some simpler ones that you can use. So uh, they're all designed to solve a specific type of need that our customers may have. You mentioned Fortune 500 companies using this. How, how are, the, what, what are some of the applications of using a uh, go venture for these large organizations training i'm assuming right yeah training and some other areas that uh, might may not not be as obvious so in terms of training it would be a couple levels so um some cases frontline employees so we're working with some major banks for example where a lot of their frontline people work with business owners but they have trouble empathizing with that business owner right What's the what's their problems, their challenges, their opportunities? How do I speak to them about their business? And unless you've been in business yourself or run a business yourself, it's hard to have those conversations. So our product would be described as an empathy tool, where you you know they're not the bank's objective is not necessarily to teach their employees how to run a business, but it's to empathize with their business owner customers. So that's one example, uh, direct training. We have um, our, you mentioned our leader simulation that's used for leadership skills. So uh, people who are on a leadership track would use that experience to gain soft skills, collaboration skills, team building, leadership skills, and by being put into this kind of simulated role-playing experience. Um, some uh, less, uh, less uh, obvious ways that our products are used, they're used to um, recruit students. So we've had a you know, very large consumer goods company who used our product to encourage college students, recent graduates to come work for them because, you know, the race for talent is pretty, uh, is pretty challenging for a lot of large businesses and they want to give people the opportunity to experience their business. So we actually customized the simulation to kind of matched uh, their business model. Uh, one of the major accounting firms uh, used our investment simulation to teach uh, their people investing. Uh, we've been used in uh, events like uh, management or uh, corporate events where they wanted to have some type of team building or fun activity. So all sorts of different ways that you can use simulation. I had an original question. You know what? We're going to go ahead and keep it. Now that we've been talking for a bit, this is, this is going to be a dumb question, but I'm going to go ahead and ask it anyway. <laughs> so you're going to make me feel good by saying, Mark, that's a really good question. I am. Uh, <laughs> Mon oh, I can't believe I'm asking this. Monopoly, a bo the board game Monopoly. Um, again, that's a stupid question because it, it doesn't even compare to, to Go Venture. But what's the difference? Again, stupid question. What's the difference? <laughs> sure. No, no, I'm always happy to talk about games like that. So Monopoly, you know, is most successful game, one of the earlier board games around. It's actually not a very, very good game from a gameplay perspective. Uh, games have really changed over that time. But the idea is you get a group of people together, you get them interacting, you get them doing certain activities within a certain rule base, within a certain template, and they're devising strategy, right? Um, so as you're playing a game like, uh, like Monopoly, you're, you're thinking about strategy, you're thinking about other players and how they're going to react to what you're doing. 
So it really puts you in a situation where you're critically thinking about the decisions that you're making, right? Which is very different than sitting and watching a lecture or watching a video or reading a textbook. Um, so as, you know, as, as maybe not as interesting as the original monopoly is, it's still a very effective way to get people together. And we use techniques um, with board games. So in our company, you know, when we talk about GoVenture, GoVenture is not just software. It's mostly software and very, very engaging, complex software simulations. But we do develop board games and card games and blended games. And it's really about creating an experiential learning opportunity uh, for people so that we can help them understand certain concepts and ultimately, you know, change their behavior in terms of whatever it is that they're trying to achieve. Short game versus long game. And the reason I'm asking about the duration of games is I've got Fortnite on my mind. And by the way, I do, I don't, I'm not a gamer, but I, I've heard of that game. I've heard how parents can say my kids are just so addicted to it. Is it true that Go Venture, it can be a short game or it could be a game that lasts days, if not weeks, maybe longer? That's right. So some of our simulations and games are designed to be shorter experiences or at least can be played in a shorter period of time. You can play longer if you want, but are generally designed, they can be go shorter. But something like our GoVenture World game, which is our global multiplayer role-playing business simulation, that's something that's actually designed to be played over multiple weeks, months, and even years uh, because it's like creating this virtual realistic business that becomes part of your life, almost in an augmented reality way. So, you know, not augmented reality through fancy goggles or smartphones, but really just this experience that sits alongside your regular life. Um, and you're, you're actually an entrepreneur in this virtual experience. And that's designed to be played much longer. So, and, you know, whatever the experience is that you want, whether it's a short experience or a much longer one, we want to be able to have something for you. You know, I just thought of something long game versus short game. And again, I hope I'm not throwing you a curveball, but is there going to be a, a time where maybe artificial intelligence gets incorporated into the game? Or have you already done that? Right. So, you know, with the simulation, we are simulating very complex things in the real world, right? So we're simula simulating things like weather patterns and how, do we how does the weather affect consumer buying habits you know, when people walk into a restaurant, how does a customer make a decision about something? So the games already have, um, from the most basic perspective, rules-based and probability-based algorithms. And then the algorithms will adjust based on the activity in the game. So that's where the artificial intelligence comes in. For example, with our GoVenture World, our global business game, because it's open to the world, and it's a, it's a role-playing experience that requires multiple people, we don't always know how many people are going to be playing it at the same time. So the uh, market actually has to scale up and down based on the actual activity happening from real human players. Otherwise, if we had a fixed market, you know, the market may be too big and everybody's profitably, profitable very easily. If it's too small, no one's profitable and it's not as fun. So you've got to create these smart algorithms to adjust based on real-time data that's happening in the experience. And of course, this is a global game. So you've got about all languages covered, whether Japan, China, I mean, I'm sure you have Russian players. I mean, so is, is this truly is a global language game? 
So the game is designed, uh, the foundation is designed in English, but we've integrated, uh, uh, I think it's Microsoft that we have now, uh, translation or Google Translate in the game. And uh, that'll do real-time translation, which of course is never perfect, but it's an easy way for us to accommodate uh, users from around the world. And the uh, interesting thing about business is, you know, often business is done in English, even in countries where English is not uh, the, the first language. So what it also does is helps people actually understand English in a business context. And if um, that's, that's something that's in significant demand in the world today where, you know, you could learn a second language like English, but if you don't learn it in the context of the career in which you're pursuing, it becomes very difficult. So we're helping bridge that gap uh, through our game. I know audio may not be the best way to try to describe your game. So let's say uh, I'm getting ready to try the game out. What's, what's, I mean, like Monopoly, there's a purpose, there's an objective, and then there's an ending. How would you describe, let's take your Go Venture world. What, what's, what's the beginning? What's the middle? What's the end? And how do you know when you've won or is there a loser? Right. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to take you starting with our entrepreneur simulation, then okay. I'll take into world. Um, cause I think one day we're going to merge the products as well. So with entrepreneur, we expect that, you know, nothing about business or anything like that. So we actually start you with a lemonade stand and by running a simple lemonade stand, we teach you the basic fundamental concepts of what is price, what is revenue, what is profit, what are ingredients, what's cost of goods. Brilliant. Um, and all these words that I know you <laughs> in your finance background uh, can appreciate. So we teach you those very basic fundamentals and the terminology associated you know, with those things. And so once you achieve a certain level of success running one lemonade stand, we now let you run two lemonade stands. But the second lemonade stand is in a different neighborhood with different consumer profiles. You know, the consumers in that neighborhood may be willing to pay a little bit more for a better quality lemonade or less. And you also have to hire a friend to run that lemonade stand for you. So now it's introducing the concept of employees and managing employees and the cost of having employees. And then eventually you get to a third lemonade stand and then you level up to having a kiosk like a hot dog stand or ice cream where there's more products, more inventory, more employee decisions. And then you level up from there to a mobile food truck, for example, where now you can locate in different parts of the city. And then you level up even further to a full business like a McDonald's or running a gym or uh, being an insurance salesman. So now you're you know even more complex decision-making. And then you move into GoVenture World. So now in that first experience I was describing, because we want you to be comfortable with your success, with your failures, and continue to improve, we don't want you competing directly with anyone else, right? Because uh, that's an entire different dynamic. But once you become comfortable uh, with the first levels of the experience, then we can bring you to GoVenture World, where now it's a global a multiplayer simulation where you could be competing about with and collaborating with anyone in the world could be a young person in another country could be an existing entrepreneur we've had existing entrepreneurs who played our game because they wanted you know another experience than their own personal business and they wanted to expand their thinking so in go venture world we take you to bigger concepts things like running a large business so instead of making the day-to-day -day decisions of managing employees and inventory and products, you're now making more high-level decisions and you're dealing with high-level finance. We also have things like 
um, stock markets and bond markets where you can float a bond or you can raise money through loans. You can IPO your business. Um, you can collaborate with others to set up supply chains. So we take you right from the beginning of running that lemonade stand, knowing nothing about business to being the CEO of a multinational company and directly interacting with other players. I want to back up to something you said. You said other entrepreneurs are playing this game. What do they have to say about the realism? Well, I think the you know the the thing that really entices them to play, and we never really designed this for entrepreneurs. We designed this to help facilitate right. and create new entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. So whenever an, an existing entrepreneur plays it, it's always uh, always interesting for us. I think what it does is it, um, you know, when if you look at most businesses in the world, the millions and millions of businesses, they're small businesses, right? They're never going to IPO. They're never going to be listed on a stock exchange. They're never never going to set up any advanced supply chain arrangements. And a lot of entrepreneurs really want to have that experience, but they just can't do it through their regular job, their regular life. And GoVenture World gives them that ability to see, well, how would I have done if I was running a larger company? Am I ready and able to run that larger company? So I think that's what kind of keeps them engaged. And then trying to figure out the metrics, you know, how do I how do I maximize my profitability without taking a risk, right? Because in the real business, if they experiment too much, <laughs> it could actually cost them their livelihood, right? If they you know set the price wrong price or wrong marketing or spend the whereas in GoVenture world, it's risk free, right? So you can try things that maybe you would not have tried in the real world, experiment with them, and then maybe gain that confidence to then uh, try them in the real world. So that's where we see. Um, I think, uh, uh, you know, existing real entrepreneurs benefiting from our program. Of course, I met you through Quora. So I had a question about entrepreneurial boot camps and you came in and answered the question and I was so thankful. Well, speaking of Quora, there's a guy named Brett Fox who answers a ton of questions. Brett is a, a longtime entrepreneur himself, been involved in a lot of startups that he's created from the ground up. He sold them. He's raised multiple rounds of venture capital, and he just wrote a book, and by, and we're going to be interviewing him here in a couple of weeks, and he talks about culture. He says, obviously, in any startup, you've got to have that product market fit. He says, sometimes the VCs will ignore culture. They won't bring it up. He says, well, you've got to have a great culture, too. Now, you can have a great culture, but have a bad product market fit, and your business will go nowhere. You can have a bad culture, a great product market fit, you're going to have a good business still. But then when the three all come together, watch out, you're going to have something special. And those are his exact words. So I was just curious, now that I got Brett on my mind, mm-hmm. I would think, Matthew, I would think that from a programming standpoint, a development standpoint, that it would be really difficult, if not impossible, to factor in culture, team dynamics, in a game, a simulation like this, am I right or incorrect? How do you all address, you know, top grade and getting the right people on the bus to help scale these, these, these startup businesses? I know an eliminate stand, you're not going to be hiring a VP of marketing or a CMO just yet, but how, how do you address the culture aspect in, in a game, in games like this? Yeah, that's a great question because now we're talking, you know, the softest of soft skills, right. <laughs> which are which are always difficult to uh, figure out. But we actually have an approach to this. And, 
you know, from my own personal experience running a few businesses, uh, one of the uh, best definitions I ever heard uh, regarding, you know, what is culture? Because it is a hard thing for some people to understand. And the person said, he said, you know, culture is how your employees behave when no one's looking, right? right? When the boss is not around. You know, you can talk about customer service and honesty and integrity, but when the boss is not around or somebody's not looking, are they still acting and behaving in that way, right? So, you know, I often I often think back uh, about that. And I often think back on my time at IBM. Um, and, and my conclusion is, you know, creating a corporate culture requires two things. It requires hiring the right people and then putting them in the right processes, Right. So it's not enough to just have the right people. You have to have the right processes that create the behaviors that you want to uh, repeat from uh, from those good people who want to follow those processes. So how do we do this in a simulation simulated experience? And there's really two ways. So in our um, in our simulations that are intended to help you understand and run the day to day minute by minute operations of a business, we have simulated employees. Right. So if you're running like a McDonald's like business or a Starbucks like business, you have to hire employees to help your business. And you actually do that in our simulation. So we have uh, employee profiles and employee resumes with skill levels, right? Different types of skills. So we're making you aware that, you know, humans are not this homogeneous thing. <laughs> employees are not this homogeneous. They are made up of skills that we as business leaders need to identify well, what skills are important to us because you know, we're not necessarily going to find top skills in every person we hire. Maybe we can't, we, we certainly can't afford that. So what's the right skills for the job? So our simulation actually simulates employees and their skills and then uses algorithms to uh, convey those skills in their performance, right? So if you have somebody who has, you know, is very productive, then they will be able to serve more customers per hour than somebody who may not be as uh, productive. And you can train the employees, invest money in the simulation to train those employees to improve their individual skills, whether it's, you know, productivity or um, customer service, um, uh, we, uh, uh, morale, we, we simulate things like morale um, and, uh, you know, overall happiness with, the, with their job and so on. So that's one way. The other way is we create situations where we allow players to play in teams, right? So you and I could be teammates running the same business together. Or you and I could be business associates with a supply chain. So I'm manufacturing a product, but I can't sell that product to the end consumer. I have to find a retailer like you and negotiate a supply chain agreement. And in fact, in GoVenture World, that's that's a big part of the game. And what you quickly discover is the players that have reliable and trustworthy supply chains do well. So what does reliable and trustworthy mean? It means when you run out of inventory, I make sure I'm there to deliver the new inventory so you're constantly making sales. It also means that you're going to pay me for my product that I ship to you. So that trust and that supply chain agreement helps people uh, who don't have business experience understand the importance of trust and reliability and the character and integrity of the people they do business with, right? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. It's like you guys have thought of everything. Well, you know, you know, you've been around for this long and uh, you have so much experience with so many customers and you're, you know, you're very, we're very obsessive about monitoring to see what works and what doesn't and then constantly improving those things. You know, you ultimately just keep creating better and better products. The technology 
is just exploding and you come from a unique position. You've been, I mean, again, you're using a VIC 20, by the way, you're giving away your age, <laughs> Yes, but you look at where we've come from. And by the way, I still remember putting in those cassette tapes to yes. run the software. Of course, we thought that was fast, if not cool <laughs> back then, but you, you've seen just, you, you've seen it all. Uh, where is this game given, given, I mean, you're probably only limited by your own creativity, your team's creativity, and then the supporting technology behind it. Where do you think your games or as you, maybe you, you bring some of these products together under one name, where's go venture going? Well, what we want to do, if we just talk about business education, specifically that subject area, we want to kind of revolutionize how business education and entrepreneurship training is delivered, measured, assessed, and credentialed. So what do I mean by that? Well, you know, as employers, when employers are looking to hire somebody for a job, you know, we're flipping through resumes and trying to figure things out, but ultimately it comes down to one thing. And I've written about this on LinkedIn. The number one thing we're all looking for as employers when we're hiring is experience. You know, has someone done this job before? And once we find someone who's done a similar job to what we're hiring for, that person moves to the top of the list, right? What often happens, though, is we often don't necessarily find somebody who's done the same job before. So now we're falling back on other things like degrees, diploma, certifications to help us estimate or better word is actually guess if this person can actually do the job. So if you, you know, forget about our long history with universities and degrees and diplomas and so on, and just break it down. That's really what we do when we design business simulation. We have to break down complex things to their absolute most fundamental elements. And if you do that with employment and jobs, that's what it breaks down to. Has this person done this job before and have they done it successfully? And if the answer is yes, they're at the top of the list. So how do we as a training company, company that delivers training experiences, how can we shorten that path? And the way we do it is by creating and what we're trying to do is create this huge global business simulation that's open to anybody in the world. It's free to play. So we want to help people experience entrepreneurship, even if they can't afford to go to conventional education methods and give you the skills and then measure those skills, validate those skills and credential them so that when you're going to try to find that first job or you already have a job and you're trying to get a, get a promotion and further your career, or maybe you want to start a business, you can actually refer to your experience in GoVenture World and say, look, I started this game. I started with nothing, just like everybody else. And within six months, I created a profitable, multi-million dollar business. I now understand how to read a balance sheet, an income statement. I know how, it, how to create a trustworthy relationship with other human business people, human players. And we as a company can actually measure, assess, and credential that skill in a way that no one's been able to do in conventional education. That's really where we want to go. And it's fun at the same time, right? Absolutely. Right. It's engaging. It's fun. It's personalized. You know, when you personalize something, you know, a lot of, a lot of successful universities, they use case studies and, you know, case studies certainly are better than, you know, reading a textbook or the conventional methods, but they're not personal, right? You're reading about somebody else doing something else, whatever. We actually make you the case study. You're 
experience is is yours and you encounter the problems and the opportunities and you react to them however you're going to react and then we measure you and help guide you to make better decisions um, as you go along so that's really really what it comes down to i want to wrap up a little bit i think i know the answer what would be your tedx talk at a local school or university oh um i think it would be um the about the entrepreneurial mindset um, so I'm a big believer in entrepreneurship, not necessarily running a business because, you know, entrepreneurship is really hard and not everybody's suited to being an entrepreneur. But I believe that if we can be entrepreneurial minded, it'll help us be successful in our lives, whatever path that we choose. You know, you can work in government and still be entrepreneurial minded in terms of how you look at the world and how you approach your job and, and the people you're trying to help. And so this concept of uh, the entrepreneurial mindset is really what I'm trying to deliver from a social cause perspective. I even wrote a children's book about this um, because when my kids were you know, young and I wanted to introduce them to entrepreneurship, I couldn't find resources for really young kids. I'm talking you know, like two, three, four, five, six, seven-year-olds. I'd find books on how to run a lemonade stand. And by the way, running a lemonade stand is amazing. I definitely recommend it to anybody. Um, but you know, at the younger ages, they're still not ready to do that. So I wrote a book um, to try to help introduce just the concept of the entrepreneurial mindset and self-esteem and self-actualization and taking control of your own destiny um, in a children's uh, story. And I make it available for free. But that's really, I think that's the message that I would try to deliver. And one of the reasons why we've created products like GoVenture World and offer them for free because I want to give anybody in the world that opportunity to experience your entrepreneurial mindset gain real world employment skills that are transferable. So playing our game, you're gaining transferable skills that'll help you achieve whatever it is that you want to achieve in life. Uh, so I think that's the entrepreneurial mindset is what my talk would be about. What, what's the name of the book that you wrote? It's called Budding Entrepreneur. Okay. Budding Entrepreneur. Now, is it on, is it available on Amazon? Because usually I, I look <laughs> to see if anyone's written a book and I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, it's on it's on Amazon and it's also free on Apple iBooks. Now I published it a number of years ago on Apple iBooks, so I assume it's still there. I haven't checked in quite some time, but uh, but yeah, it's a it's it's literally a a very short children's book, probably like twenty five pages, few words, big fonts, just like you'd see in a in a book that's designed for first early readers to read on their own or have their parents uh, read to them. I am really anxious to find out what what are some of your uh, favorite books? And maybe to make that question easier, are there any that stand out that have been, had a big impact on you? Uh, another way to approach this, are there any books that you've gifted or recommend frequently uh, to peers, staff, uh, kids that are playing uh, the game? So let me shut up because I'm going to take notes. I want to know the books that you've you've enjoyed over the years. Yeah, I can mention a couple. I will mention, though, that I've actually stopped reading books a number of years ago because I do so much micro-reading constantly, day to day, that um, I found even when I was reading books, and, and I'll mention some of them, even when I was reading them, I found that there was so much filler in these books. True. I just wanted to get to the key points. Yes. Um, so, But some of the books that I recall reading that uh, left an impression on me to say, you know what, I definitely recommend this book, uh, Good to Great. 
uh, by Jim Collins, which talks about, uh, you know, they actually look statistically at what made a successful CEO, a successful company. And it was often opposite to what people may expect. So I really like uh, real data, you know, data driven uh, concepts rather than just, uh, you know, feelings about mm-hmm. things. Um, you know, the tipping point by Malcolm Gladwell, also very data uh, driven book. Um, uh, I tend to, I, when I was reading books and even now when I read, it's always, uh, nonfiction. Um, I love fiction movies and TV shows, but I hate reading fiction because I kind of feel like, uh, you know, my, my job is all about imagination. So I, I need to turn off and have somebody else give me my imagination for me in terms of, uh, nonfiction, but, uh, some other books, uh, I've, I, I like cooking. So there's a book called, uh, cooking for geeks, uh, by Jeff Potter. Um, that talks about the science of cooking, right? Not just the process of cooking, but you know why at cer- why do you cook at certain temperatures? Interesting. And how long you cook for? Okay. Uh, books on happiness, uh, brain theory. Um, you know the uh, uh, the original Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. I think is still relevant, although the examples are so old now. I'm not sure people today would sure. relate to them, but the principles are uh, still very valid. Uh, uh, there's only one podcast that I listen to other than I'm going to probably start listening to yours now for sure. Now that I see how a great quality all of your, uh, all of your work is, is uh, there's one called under the influence uh, by Terry O'Reilly. And he, t- he talks about the history of advertising and I love knowing about advertising and marketing because it's all about uh, behavioral psychology. And uh, that's something that really interests me. Matthew, yes. we could keep going on, but this has been outstanding. And I hope that this is not a well-kept secret. I hope I'm one of the one of the few people who just had not heard of GoVenture. But, well, I hope we keep hearing this name a lot. And I'm just so thankful for what you're doing in this space. Well, I appreciate your interest, Mark, and we, uh, you know, we keep uh, we keep on moving forward, and hopefully uh, expose even more people to what we're doing. And I think we know with all the changes that are happening, and people accepting online learning more so than before, accepting the idea that games can indeed be educational and beneficial not only to young people but adults and trying to further their career. All those things, uh, you know, create trends that I think is going to help our uh, our GoVenture brand become more widely known and help us help more people around the world. You are listening to CFO Bookshelf, lifelong learning for financial leaders. And now, back to your hosts, the no-name CFOs, Mark and Bruce. What a delightful interview with Matthew. And again, Matthew, if you've got this far, thank you. Great interview, great content, and just all the best. And I'm going to be one of your customers uh, here before the year is out, there are two things that stood out. You know, and by the way, you, you know, an interview is good when you're taking notes. Uh, I don't know if I've ever seen Barbara Walters take notes when she's asking questions, or Sam Donaldson, or some of those other famous uh, network news people. But w- one of the notes I took was the game was not designed for for business owners, entrepreneurs, but they are players. And the reason they're playing is because maybe they didn't get a chance to go to uh, MBA school, get their MBA. So what they're able to do, Bruce, is they can experiment within the game in a simulated environment where it's not a matter of life or death. Right. Uh, what, what's your thought about that? Yeah, I think I think that's a that's a big plus. It's you know I think it's 
one of those things that's it's very it's very sexy to say you know fail fast yeah but that's not you know that's that that's great when it's somebody else's money but it's maybe not so exciting when it's your own um you know i've i've kind of filled a little bit of a role at practice link as the the individual who came from the big company and so um you know those of us those of us who've been at different places sometimes are relied upon to are relied upon to provide that other perspective or how was it done here? How was it done there? The thing is that those experiences aren't always applicable. And also the, the, the high octane entrepreneur, they got where they are because they did it. They tested things themselves. And when, at the end of the day, they bet on themselves. And that's, that's kind of what I'm experiencing. I experience now is somebody who's, well, you, you can have a, um, you know, we'll, we'll get other opinions, but at the end of the day is going to make their own call. He's going to make his own call. I think having that, you know, <clears throat> having a, having a game that has some real outcomes and being able to play it. And, you know, sometimes you don't know if you push the red button, does the door open or does the room explode? And, you know, maybe having a game that says, yeah, you know, this might seem like the right thing to do, but here's what could happen eight steps down the road and maybe get some of that, get some of that, the benefit of, of others experiences without having to rely on one or two people and their opinions and their specific, um, you know, cause I, 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 I try to bring an objective view to the table, but at the end of the day, my view is still just my view and is limited to my experiences. So having that broader, Having the advantage of maybe broader experiences, I think that would be awesome for an entrepreneur. The other thing I loved what he said in the interview, the game is fun because it's personalized. And he went on to say that case studies, say like at Harvard, which by the way, I read a lot of case studies. When I say a lot, I probably read at least one or two a month and I'll scan a few others because I enjoy reading through them. And some of them I'll leave and pull out a spreadsheet and just start taking notes and start going through them and trying to formulate an answer. And hopefully it's a business where I don't know what actually happened at the end. But he, he said that case studies, they're not personalized. You are the case study, which makes this game very personalized. I think that's brilliant, which is another reason to get into these games. Yeah, that's um, I, when we were talking about that, that was one of the things that stuck out. <laughs> Um, you know, as, as much as case studies will, can try to be, uh, a, a, a sim, again, a simulation, they're rigid, you know, the case study is going to end the way the case study ended, you know? And so it's kind of like, what's behind door number one, what's behind door number two, but those, those outcomes are in essence, predetermined, somewhat independent of how you behave. Whereas, whereas the game when it's personalized, your behavior matters and and that's that's reality uh we were talking earlier that's you know for for leaders you know words matter for leaders behavior matters and a simulation takes behaviors um into account and you know provides the outcomes accordingly cfo bookshelf is all about lifelong learning or learning for life and this is one approach Using playing Go Venture or the the games of Go Venture, which include entrepreneur, they include CEO, and then of course 
world. So again, check out the website in the show notes at cfobookshelf.com under the podcast page, you know, find the episode, go to the show notes, there'll be links to this website. But if you want to to go to there directly, goventure.net. I'm really glad we discovered this. This seems like something that's, um, this seems like something that's fun, educational, and really could take, uh, could take off um, as a new way to, to learn and experience uh, business. Agree. All right, Mark, uh, again, another, uh, another enjoyable show. Always enjoy our time together. Have a great weekend. Everybody out there, stay safe, be well. It's time for love and empathy, and we'll talk again soon.